Welcome, welcome, welcome. Direct from the underground bunker deep beneath my home, which is now just an empty <laughs> shell passing off. I've got dummies in the window to make people think that I'm actually living there, but I'm really safe and well deep in my underground bunker with my doors of canned goods and uh you're doing social distancing without the social bit i'm just doing distancing i'm doing i'm doing doing disappearing but anyway we're here today to discuss all things filmic and uh well all things content wise and in in this strange time and i'm here with my compatriot damo how are you hello good sir how are you mate i am very good uh and uh i myself dear listeners am jared walker and uh, as you know, because you'd know because you're listening to this. Hi, Mum. But anyway. Don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. So we are yeah. living in a strange kind of, uh, I like to think of apocalyptic films, you know, sort of the um, Mad Max style. Like maybe maybe in a few months we will be walking through sand dunes uh, with donkeys, with pots and pans being carried on their backs and, and uh, supplies every day so yeah yeah mm. and he guesses right really yeah i'll have a trail bike it'll have spikes fused all over it i'll have sort of feathers and maybe a mohawk uh something like I'm that i'm just going to go with the segway uh, 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 a tricked out uh, segway <laughs> tricked out seg- i like that tricked out segway yeah. you could just roam around the neighborhood take you could maybe have spikes on the wheels ben Hur style and just take out anyone yeah. who gets too close now you're talking. it's like yeah. no social distancing goodbye to your knees, that kind of thing. Well, a, fr- a friend of mine said the other day, let's go for a walk. I'll walk on one side of the street and you can yell at me from the other side of the street. And I said, absolutely, because, you know, doing it on my own looks rather odd. <laughs> it, it, I do notice there is an inordinate amount of uh, street crosses whenever I'm walking my dogs. I do notice, um, <laughs> I, I say to myself, I wonder if you're going to cross the street oncoming pedestrian, and they always do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I quite like it actually. Yes, the only place that I'm struggling, yes, but the only place I'm struggling with people not keeping their distances at work, and it's driving me mad. But you know, whatever. Mm. I think <sighs> I think people uh, are, are sort of hard to crack. Some people they just they take a while to really to really understand. It's only so, when it hits uh, home. Dogs make me happy. Humans make my head hurt. Basically, yeah. And, you know, I began my social distancing when uh, I first had kids. So, you know, I've been social distancing now for a, a, nearly a decade. You've been practicing for a while. Yeah. I've been practicing for a while. So um, I just... It's a life goal of mine. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think I think sitting on my front porch with a maybe a rocking chair and a shotgun, uh, that is something I could uh, I could deal with. Maybe drinking a mint, a mint julep. And uh, telling kids to get off my lawn, but yes, exactly for their own safety, of course, not not the coronavirus because I'll shoot them. But uh, it, I have I been. You need to move to the states, Jerry. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just so crazy. It is such a crazy time, and uh, but I have to admit, uh, Australia, at least our our government seems to be seems to be handling it. Seems to be. Uh, doing what's necessary because it does look like utter chaos in the good old US of A. So oh, I think we're lucky to be where we are yep. currently. Yep. On an island, a remote island way, 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 way away from... Uh, a, a big remote island. Yes, a big remote a island. Big... Resource, a resource-laden uh, remote island as well. So I think we're good yeah. for food and everything else. 
Mm. You know, one thing, not being able to go out and catch up and do, you know, dinners out with friends is the opportunity to, to binge. Yes. What have, you, what have you been watching? Yeah, well, what have I been watching? I... I have done actually two things I've watched uh, this week that I, I, I sort of jumped across um, and uh, sort of got my head around. I, I, I've been meaning to watch Tiger King for quite a, quite a while. And so I started, actually I churned through that in about three days and I, so well, not really I've, been. I, I've, been so, I've heard about it so often that I've, I've got one episode left. Too late last night, in fact, to finish it. So. Yeah, look, it's uh, um, it is one of the most compelling uh, true crime uh, docu series, I guess you could call it. It's Netflix have kind of created uh, their own genre in a way. They've it's this weird the, the true crime uh, series. Look, it's not. It's not specific to Netflix because there are, were other series before this, like The Staircase, obviously, um, and I think they did an updated version of that and added a few episodes quite recently. Um, but uh, and also in the podcast world, you had um, and that kind of it, maybe that's where it sort of snowballed from Serial back in the day, um, and uh, and Shit Town, which was quite popular as well. Those are the, the uh, I think they're NPR um, based podcasts, oh, yeah. but the true crime ones, really really involving. But Tiger King is this kind of perfect storm of American crazy, um, the sort of idea of uh, libertarians. I, you know, the government can't tell me what to do. You know, get keep keep your regulations out of my backyard, basically. And these private zoo owners, um, in no, not necessarily the South, Midwest, and South of the U.S. But people that are really into self-determination and it's usually based on um, the lifestyle that they want to live and the extension of that is this fascination with big cats. And, and uh, so these private zoo owners are collecting, yes, big cats, but also monkeys and snow leopards and elephants and... Lemurs and all sorts. Yeah, all yeah. sorts of, like a menagerie. And I guess that's not really... That in itself, to me, is an interesting mindset. Like, I think of Michael Jackson and Neverland, and he had a private zoo, um, but uh, didn't. Uh, um, oh, um, you're gonna have to help me out here. Citizen Kane, what's his name? The real life newspaper oh, magnate, Hearst. Randolph, yeah. William Randolph William Hearst. Randolph, yeah. He had a private zoo, which is I don't know if it's still functioning, but you can. You can still see San Simeon. You can go on tours there. Um, and obviously in Citizen Kane, that's what they based uh, Xanadu on. And uh, San Simeon's actually on the uh, Pacific coast. And, Pablo uh, Escobar had his hippos. Yeah, Pablo Escobar, he did. He, and he had something of a, yeah, he had other animals as well. And um, the, the, they're, all, they're all just breeding and roaming wild over there now in Colombia. Wow, really? Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of frightening because hippos are really dangerous. Very dangerous, but um, good to take photos of if you're far enough away. Yes, but, but, but Tiger King, it's 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 three words for me. I I thought it was it's compelling, bizarre, and outrageous. <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much sums it up. That pretty much sums it up. And uh, you know, Joe Exotic being the central figure. 
because all around the periphery are the other private zoo owners that he deals with in in the sale of uh, um, cubs, and he breeds tigers for sale. Yeah, which in itself is very dodgy. Um, and he in, interbreeds. But, but that's the thing. So I, it was sad to watch parts of it, but you 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 were just compelled by these characters. Yes. And where's it going next? Yes. Yeah. The the way the way that the episodes are structured, they they we jump forward and back and they tease you with bits. So you know certain things are going to happen mm. because of where the, say, the phone call from Joe Exotic is is uh, prison. Yes. But how did he get there? How what, did he get what there? We, yeah. <laughs> and you just... And what part of all these crazy characters that are around him, part of this. And these uh, private zoos, or that they call them sanctuaries, but... I think they're just kidding themselves. Um, well, I and, think so too, because then there's the rescue lady. The rescue lady's just as nuts as the rest yes. of them. Yes, and she's using um, the flip side of it, the idea of a rescue shelter, an animal rescue for exotic animals, as that she is siphoning off cre- like street cred and kudos from that so that's just the flip side to the same coin where these other characters um well i'm reminded of john ronson's book the psychopath test where um he went and interviewed ceos from all the uh, not all but many fortune 500 companies and many of them actually ticked all the criteria the psychological uh, criteria checklist there's about 20 things um, that a that a shrink would actually tick off while they were talking to you, uh, to determine if you were a psychopath or not. And in American business, the traits of a psychopath, the lack of empathy, um, and all the other traits that go along with it, are actually quite uh, beneficial in business. You'd actually be quite a successful businessman with those traits. And um, he was going providing to you don't then kill people. Providing you don't then kill people, but obviously that's yeah. that's also that's other issues as well combined. I mean, I'm sure that um, you know psychopath has become a shorthand for a killer, but it actually isn't. I mean, I'm sure yeah, yeah, we've yeah. met people in our day to day lives that are probably undiagnosed psychopaths. They're just the lack of em- inability to to feel empathy for other humans. Um, it's not necessarily something in our modern world that's going to make it difficult for you to navigate and, and make a life for yourself and to move through um, a, a functioning psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I think the movies make us think a psychopath is frothing at the mouth with a knife, but that's not necessarily the case. The, the, the Hannibal Lecters of the world. Yes, and a lot of them are yeah. living uh, exist in business or entrepreneurial kind of vocations, and then they. Um, are really successful at it, mainly because they have absolutely no no trouble at all burning people, like um, burning business relationships, backstabbing people, you know. Um, well, Joe Oxotic hands off his zoo to that other fellow. He does. There's a, there's a number of characters. Um, my, look, uh, there was a couple. What I was fascinated by is the way that um, uh, – um, not polygamy, but uh, the way that uh, polyamorous relationships go hand in hand with this fascination with big cats and wildlife. All these characters have more than one partner, and uh, that's the that was so bizarre. And that the character Bhagavan Doc, quote unquote, is his nickname. Antel is uh, he's an animal trainer, and he had a um uh fifty acre animal preserve in South Carolina. 
and he trains animals for Hollywood films and he has a little more street cred and he's a little more, well, he has a more legit image. And yes. Joe Exotic is more of the sort of meth head trailer trash side of the road, so roadside uh, zoo sort of. So you're um, talking the character that when the, when the film crew turns up, he starts directing them and they <laughs> leave those directions in. Yes, yes. Um, I thought that was a good way of showing just what kind of uh, character this guy is. Yeah, he controls his image. He was deeply disturbing yeah. to me. Now I find his personality quite disturbing, definitely a sociopathic, his controlling nature, um, and also insisting that all the women that join his harem, I mean, for want of a better word, they um, <laughs> take on new names, like yeah. animal names, like they're a character out of Jungle Book or something. It's very strange. But that that's uh, I'm actually I'm sitting here looking at sorry uh, yeah. Joe Exotic TV apparently uh, please send offers if interested in purchasing this site. Oh no! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We're currently researching Joe's prison address and could use your help. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I, I I read and I don't know how accurate this is. That is that uh, there is a rumor he has the coronavirus in in prison. So oh no! I, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know how legit that is, but. Look, it's um, you know, these are the characters that own all these private zoos, and uh, his, and then also Joe's kind of bizarre feud with uh, Carol Baskin, who is in herself yeah. quite a strange person. I think I find like uh, very opaque. Like she's not going to um, she she's not particularly going to reveal a lot about herself like you find that she always stops short of being honest about things and she she's very uh she's very coy there was one episode where they played a news clip from you know and it looked like old VHS of a source from from back and when her i think it was her third husband i'm not sure mm. went missing and then they played a quote from her there and then at the current day quote was nearly verbatim Yes, yes. So just she's very conscious, and then I guess you have to. I mean, it is a documentary. You, as soon as the camera comes out, you're not dealing with the the real person, and that's the that is the kind of um, the weird uh, paradox of even news yeah. news news and news media and 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 news gathering um and interviewing people on camera and it's the same like you watch big brother or any of these reality shows as soon as people are on camera they're aware they're being viewed and that schroding is you get cat a performance kind of, don't you yeah and in that schroding is cat yeah. kind of way it's like you know it, it, is the is there a, is there a real genuine human in there well if they're not being observed yes but as soon as you observe them they're no longer who they were, so you're not getting an honest portrayal. So everyone's aware. They're you, know, you, you touch on Big Brother, though, in Australia, the Australian series. The first series I watched, and I watched the second series, but the first series contestants didn't know what we as viewers were getting. Yes. So I think the, the first series are fine because they are just kind of being – they're aware, they're on telly, mm. but the second series knew how to frame themselves to be – stars afterwards yeah you know what i mean i think this, a similar thing happened with masterchef right and so they what the first year of masterchef was terrific and that's why a lot of the contestants from that first year went on to be presenters and have kind of careers in their own right um is because they came across as very um very warm and very human and very uh, genuine and uh, and then with the second and third series once those people had seen what the show was 
and the format yeah. of it, <clears throat> there's an awareness of that. And so they play yeah, up. I to like it. MasterChef, though, but it's a big commitment to watch that series. There's so many episodes. There's so many episodes, and it's sort of like it's way too formulaic. They really needed to change that up. But anyway, uh, they did MasterChef. It's 47 hours a week or something. It's something crazy. Like it's, it's, they did uh, MasterChef Professional. I think they only did that once. And I really enjoyed that watching Professional or there's Semi. The one I liked was the little kids. The kids oh, yeah, the junior one. That was, that was great fun. That was good. That was good. I, I quite like uh, the cooking shows, Chopped, Top Chef, those types of things. They all are very much master chefy in their formatting. I think I liked Anthony Bourdain stuff as well, so I miss him. Oh, Anthony Bourdain, yeah, what a shame that was. Yeah, travel and cooking in one is great. He had the ability to just. Um, it was his, it was just his ability to call bullshit on stuff that um, made him very appealing, and there was a real. Well, I was told to, it. Yesterday, but um, I have an endearing prickliness. For Anthony Bourdain as well. Uh, look, I, yeah, he he was terrific. He was a good writer as well, and uh, he wrote mm. a lot of the well. He wrote a lot of a lot of his narration and his um, little monologues that he would have in the show. Uh, no reservations, and then parts unknown, and it, it's his involvement. I think made those shows what they were. Um, there's a lot of people that sort of try to copy it, but it, he was a real, he was a real force of nature. He, I found him quite just genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, but, um, as, far, as far as Tiger King goes though, it kind of is a, it, it's a, a, a spotlight on the American way of life. It is America in some respects, isn't it? Yes. And this is the thing. I find it fascinating. Like there was lots of things that I was thinking about while I was watching it. One was the aforementioned uh, psychopath test, which is a great book, and I recommend people get hold of that. It's actually really fascinating, uh, and you do end up walking around thinking, "I wonder if that person I worked with that time was a psychopath," because these traits you just realize, "Oh my god, I worked with someone like that," and "Oh, I had a boss like that," and yeah. Um, but uh, this show. I don't know, man. It, it 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 made me think of the U.S. and how fragmented it is. How how there's such a strong divide between the North and the South, and also how there's such a um and and a sort of hatred or no, not hatred, paranoia of the government. Um, and so mm. you know, you know, Republicans always banging on about. Traditionally, Republicans do not want big government. They're against big government, which is why the Trump administration demonstrably is trying to destroy the institutions uh, like uh, the Environmental Protection Agency and and a lot of other agencies by putting people in charge that are actually anti the agency. They want them, yeah. yep, they want them to fail. They want big government to fail. Lack of regulation, lack of uh, uh, big government oversight. That's what they want. But the flip side of that is the sort of Democrat view of, no, we do want big government. We want the government to run our lives uh, correctly and make the trains run on time and to benefit the uh, the little people, the poor, and that we want them to actually help the the least of us. And the, and the people that are, are multi-billionaires, they have to also contribute. And there's that sort of, uh, it's almost like the viewpoint is that if you are a Democrat, you're an aware, like that, that mindset or anyone who's kind of left wing in that way, you're aware that there's a greater world out there. There's a bigger world. There's, there's people, there's more than just you. 
there's a community. Mm-hmm. It's large and it's a, on, on such a scale that you need an apparatus to kind of assist it in its functioning and that people just can't do it on their own. And then the flip side of that, which to me feels quite selfless, that's more of an awareness of your of your own community. And I like that, where the flip side of that yeah. is this kind of libertarian view. And I would con- kind of consider myself kind of a libertarian in my views of you should be able to live your life however the hell you want without government interference. But um, they take it to the extreme and you want lack of regulation, lack of government involvement and Tiger King. This is what happens when you get that. You get people deciding to buy their own tigers and monkeys and snow leopards and lions and whatever else, uh, alligators. Disturbing uh, statistic that they say is there's more more wild cats in America in captivity than they are alive in the wild in their native habitat. Yeah. So there's there's more captive... um, Big, I think more captive tigers, yeah, than in the entire world. So it, it, it's, it is nuts. And you see that just the breeding and the scale that that's on, you realize mm. just how that, that, that is the case. And the, the awful thing is, is that the, these, these cats can't just be released into the wild. You know, they, um, uh, they would survive. They would they survive, survive. And so the, the, the kindest thing that you can do for them is really to euthanize them because they can't go and just live with a different owner now that, well, you know, you have to watch the series to see why that is the case because the zoo becomes the sort of subject of a tug of war between um, a sort of a rival's uh, private zoo owner who's got more money and more resources than Joe Exotic. And, and yeah, it, I felt really sorry for the animals. I just, obviously they're the ones that lose out. And it's weird because these good people claim that they're, they're doing it for the animals, but they're, they're not. They're no, they're not. But there's also there's some people in there that I also feel sorry for. Like the, uh, they're just taking advantage of. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's like they're basking in the the power of the the big mm-hmm. cats by proxy. Well, there's that like Joe Joe says they don't come to the zoo to see the cats. They come to see me. Yes. Um. Okay. And you, yeah. you think so? And it's gone to his head. The power's gone to his head. And it's fascinating. There's that guy who is one of the zookeepers, and there's there's uh, and he's got the beard and the long sort of blondish hair. Um, old, he's, he's the one that's smoking all the time. Yes, and he yeah. says in an interview near the end, he's talking about oh, but I will miss the big cats though. I will miss. I'll miss. Um, I forget. He names them by you know, individually and. Uh, and yeah. he, and he's, they show photos of him sort of petting the big lions and stuff and how much he'll miss them because he's developed a connection with them. And then he said, uh, then he sort of stops and he looks up and he says, have you ever walked a big cat? Have you ever walked a big cat? And it, and it's that's what I'm talking about, the idea of being next to a such a powerful animal and by extension you kind of – uh, have you you feel the power of that animal because you're in control of it or um, in quotes control and that to me yeah. was a little that's kind of a microcosm of what I'm talking about this, this sort of fascination is actually this desire to siphon off or feed off the power of it it's like somebody uh, who lies and you know the stolen valor phenomenon in the states and and in Australia where people lie and say that they're returned veterans um in order to get the kudos 
and it's people do it all the time and uh, about all kinds of things because there are certain things in our culture there's touchstones that instantly make people want to um uh oh ella is that a bird oh well i missed that oh there was a beep sound um I think uh, it it sounded like a bird. We'll say it's a bird. We'll say it's an exotic bird, uh, part of the menagerie that you've got. Did you hear that bird outside? Uh, Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it it knows that we're listening, and so it's contributing to the podcast. If it has any sort of bird-themed films that it wants to do to review, possibly. But I think um, that kind of – that part of it and this sort of – it's quite pathetic in a way this watching these these men who actually are like socially so i mean they, there's no way apart outside of the control that someone like doc antel exerts over the people that are closest to him in his little bubble in his park um the control yeah. he exerts over the women that he um asks to join him in his little community of women <laughs> he's got like eight women or something but the, weren't you also uh, amazed at how many people were willing to talk? Yeah, that's a that's interesting though, isn't it? Because everybody wants to get their story out and the idea of being involved. And maybe I think those sort of things snowball once you get a maybe that once they had Joe Exotic involved and then they had Doc Antel involved. Doc Antel, I think maybe once these people, the the big players were. Then you get the other people are like, well, I want to have my two cents as well. I want to go on camera and give, tell them exactly what I think about Joe Exotic. So I think there's a, yeah. a lot of that as well. But um, you do the, wonder. The, the, the one person that struck me is that uh, Kelsey. So she she was the one sitting there uh, talking, and it wasn't until her second appearance I noticed her left arm was missing. And I went, oh yeah. Oh, we're going to get that story yeah. too. I hope. <laughs> and how? And we did. Yes. yes. That, that's the other thing is the the reality show that Joe Exotic wanted to make that he was being yeah. filmed constantly for. Uh, and then how – so the show we're watching is not the reality show. It's a, it's a docu-series made by Netflix, but it's about Joe and his attempts, one of, well, one of the many activities he has, trying to get a reality TV show made. It's very Rick bizarre. Rick Kirkman. Rick Kirkham. That's right. The uh, the producer he uh, kind of gets involved. It's so bizarre. It really was. Lit- it just every single episode had a reveal that was just strange and bizarre. And and I do know that uh, there's a limited series adaptation in development by <laughs> Universal, and it it's based on the second season of uh, Wonderies over my dead body podcast and uh that covered the same topic and also it should be mentioned that um louis theroux also hung out with joe exotic in an episode of uh, one of his older documentaries quite a few wow. years ago now um and it was funny when they played the uh, john oliver clip in oh. the tiger King. it's like oh yeah i am yes. aware of this guy yeah i do remember seeing him run for president and um oh yeah because john that, oliver that showed, showed that clip that. uh yeah yeah yeah. I'm broke as shit. I'm running for president. My name is Joe Exotic. And it was just genius, genius. He still got 19% of the vote for governor or something. That was unbelievable. That That is a that is a uh, very healthy 
sort of third placing that he got. Like, I was shocked. He got 19% of the votes. It, it's strange. And this, this is the thing. And listening to us just talk now, mm. if you haven't watched it, you've mm. got to. And the number of people from very different... Um, very different people have recommended it to me and everyone's enjoying it. And oh, I'm glad great. I'll start. I'm going to watch one episode, last episode later today. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is that I had loads of people saying, oh, you got to watch Making a Murderer. Making a Murderer is awesome. Oh, you, you know, now you got to watch a Jinx. You've got to watch the Jinx about Robert Durst. It's awesome. Oh, now you got to watch... Uh, You've got to watch Wild Wild Country, which admittedly was a pretty phenomenal documentary series about uh, Bhagwan Rajneesh, uh, also on Netflix. But uh, this one, I don't think I've ever seen anything as just compelling. It was such compulsive viewing. It was just such a train yeah. wreck in slow motion. It was it was brilliant. But uh, it's like 45-minute episodes. The credits roll before you know it. And then I look down at the clock and just go, oh, crap, I can't fit another episode. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I have a life. Yeah. yeah, apparently Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live is actually uh, executive producing and is set to portray Carol Baskin in this uh, limited ah. series adaptation they're doing. So I don't know who they're going to get to play Joe Exotic because he would have to figure large in it. I was watching the show just thinking, I want to see Danny McBride play Joe Exotic in like a comedy, <laughs> you know, Eastbound and Down. Danny McBride just kind of. I'll give it a go if they, if they want me. Yeah, well, apparently <laughs> there's loads. Of, with some big cats. I think Jared Leto's expressed interest, and uh, there's oh. a couple of actors that have said they like watch the show and would just like, wow, if they do a film of this, I want to play that character. Uh, well, imagine, imagine if you were a method actor, you'd be you'd be bonkers by the end of it, surely. Yeah, I I I do, I do think um, oh he's just he he because Joe Exotic. The, is a character um and it's mm. you know because mm. obviously that's not his real name and um and, and so he's kind of uh um created this this character that he lives up to again we go back to that whole reality tv you know people i could see woody harrelson woody harrelson would do a good one joseph yeah. alan maldonado passage knee schreibvogel that was his original. That's his, so Joe Schreibvogel right, was his original right. name, but uh, yeah, Maldonado and Passager is sort of married names from his husbands. But um, yeah, it just whew, crazy. Yeah, that was a yeah. hell of a watch. Like talk about getting your getting your value for money. That was uh, oh, that's a humdinger. I'm not usually a fan of the kind of the the, the the camera operators and directors appearing in the program, but this one's so carefully done. The director's only putting himself. In it, yes, very sensibly, but like, it's so well crafted. It's so well done. Yep. The and what got me was the amount of footage they had. So much. Um, imagine being the offline editor having to go through all that old news footage and all it's those old crazy. videos. Crazy. Just sourcing them. Every man and like, his dog had a, a camera wow. filming, basically, and yeah. um, it was yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, highly recommend it. Tiger King. Or Netflix, as they call it in New Zealand, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so here all, all, all people across the pond switching off now, Jared. <laughs> yeah, they're all like, "That's a that's a terrible accent." Uh, no, um, we don't talk like that. Who is this guy? Mocking New Zealand, mocking New Zealand accents. I'm not even going to attempt it. I'm just going to sit here and let you do. Oh, that. Well, oh yeah, well, yeah. 
if, if anyone's you can not write a, to him on Twitter. He's on Twitter. Yeah, on. yeah. I am a New Zealander. If, if anyone is not actually aware of that, but anyway. Um, what yeah. Else, what else have you watched? Well, I strangely um, oh, the other night I thought I'd give it a go, and I was kind of glad I did. And it was it was on again on on the Netflix, and it was called Spencer Confidential, and it's uh, Mark Wahlberg collaborating again yeah. with Pete Berg. Um, Pete Berg, uh, what did Peter Berg directed? Peter Berg's actually an actor as well. But uh, Peter Berg directed uh, Hancock with Will Smith. Peter Berg directed uh, Friday Night Lights. He also produced a series of that. He. Um, I didn't like Hancock. No, I, I think Hancock's a, um, you know, not everyone loves it, but he made Deepwater Horizon about the oil rig. He made Patriot's Day about the Boston bombing or the marathon. Again, all these are Mark Wahlberg. He made Lone Survivor with Mark yeah. Wahlberg about the um, the actual uh, incident the um, with the in U.S. soldiers being chased or cornered by Taliban in Afghanistan, and it's it, it's actually a real hairy story. The, the oil him. rig one I thought was quite good. That was yeah. very real. Oh, yeah, very yeah. Pete Berg's a real competent director. I mean, he knows he, he can shoot. I'm not admittedly a huge fan of Mark Wahlberg. I don't like him in a lot of films, and um, but sometimes... To me, well, when, the, the remake of Italian Job I really enjoy. I thought that was a good ensemble. Yeah, that was quite that was quite enjoyable. I like when he plays to his limitations. When he just knows, look, you know what? I'm not, I'm not Robert De Niro. I'm not going to try, you know, and win an Oscar here. I'm just going to do this because mm-hmm. it's a really entertaining story. And that's exactly what Spencer Confidential is. It's sort of, but, you know, I got I got forty minutes in and switched off. Right, I, I I quite enjoyed the nuts and bolts kind of. Uh, it is a bit televisual. I was thinking that while I was watching it, thinking, I wonder if they've got plans to make a couple of these. But I liked it. It was well written. R- Brian Helgeland wrote the script. Brian Helgeland, uh, he's actually a writer director, but he wrote uh, L.A. Confidential. He adapted that. He wrote uh, Man on Fire. It, it starred Denzel Washington. Um, he also. I am gonna. I am gonna come back and finish it because I do like Alan Arkin. I'd like to watch him. Yeah, it, it was just entertaining. It wasn't amazing. And so I'm. I'm just gonna say, check your expectations at the door. But it was very. Well, I was I, wondering I about it. the motivations. Like, why am I following him, and why do I? Why is he care yeah. about what? Like, I didn't get the motivation. Well, him, so. Spencer is actually a character that's been around for quite a long time, and. Um, he, he, there was a TV show back in the day, um, and it was uh, starring, I believe it was Robert Urich, and uh, it was called Spencer for Hire, and that is the same character. And the character okay. uh, was, I think, created by um, Ace Atkins. That's that's the author's name. And, and he was a... Uh, a journalist and um, like a lot of um, these kind of pulp crime writers and back in the uh, um, in the sort of 70s I think he was even nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for one like he did a feature series on an investigation into a cold case but he was uh, writing these books and he wrote a ton of them like uh, these uh, Spencer books and as the character um, kind of just just kept going and going. It's like uh, Robert Ludlum with Bourne or something. These books just kept getting churned out with the Spencer character. Um, but Spencer for Hire was a adaptation of one of um, of that character into a sort of TV series format. But it was 
you know, it was a, it was all right. It wasn't wasn't too bad, but it was uh this kind of interpretation with Mark Wahlberg and um it had a good cast. I like Winston Duke, obviously from Black Panther and uh, uh, um Jordan Peele's film Us. Um, he he's really good playing as kind of offsider. Um, yeah, Mark Maron popped up at one point, the podcaster, or now actor. Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem Woodbine, yeah. The only, the only problem with Bokeem Woodbine is he's great. And uh, obviously uh, now I'm thinking of the Hughes Brothers film, uh, America, uh, Dead Presidents, which was a terrific kind of heist see, film. That's, that's going back, isn't it? It is going back. Uh, Bokeem Woodbine yeah. was in that. Um, it was That was a terrific film too, but it was about a heist that uh, performed by Viet, uh, disillusioned veterans, Vietnam vets in that film, but um, directed by the Hughes brothers who sort of split since and now direct their own things. But um, uh, I think there was a little bit of acrimony there as well between the brothers. But yeah, Bokeem Woodbine is always the go-to dude when you have a bad guy, and that was part of the problem. So when he pops up, yeah, when he pops up yeah. as Spencer's uh, cop mate, you're like, oh, here we go. This guy's going to be a baddie, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything. But, but but see, going back to Alan Arkin, he's in one of my all-time favorite films, which is um, Gross Point Blank. Oh yeah, that was a great film, Gross Point, and great soundtrack. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, this, the story itself is pretty, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly, I would not say pedestrian, but it's the way, for me, it's the way it's written. It's not, it's just nicely written. It's entertaining. It's written, but it's a, again, it's a good ensemble piece with the yeah. John Cusack, the driver, Dan Aykroyd, Alan Arkin. They all just bounce off each other well. And John Cusack, she's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, I, I was actually talking about Spencer, about the script, but. Gross, but gross point blank, yes. Gross point blank is, yeah. That that's that's actually um, it's a bit of a seminal film for a lot of people. I mean, for me, obviously, I saw it in my sort of twenties, and it was like, yeah, that's a great film. But for a lot of films, that was a film they watched when they were young that kind of blew their minds, and they want to watch something else that was similar to it. Yeah, I was mid twenties. It's nineteen ninety seven. So. Yeah, George Armitage. Um, you know it. Uh, um. I, I do think uh, sometimes you know you, you you clock a director and you think oh yeah George Armitage yeah he's a good I have to keep an eye on his films he he made um a couple of films but I don't think any of them were particularly uh, massive although he did make Miami Miami Blues which had a very oh, young yeah. and sort of uh, muscular and threatening sort of just after Red October it was made uh, that Alex was Baldwin, Jen, Alec, yeah. Alec Baldwin um. Yeah. And I, I do remember a scene where he had, didn't he have a tattoo and he has to get rid of it and he gets an iron and he sticks it on his arm to burn it so he can burn his I skin to, to hide That's the tattoo. I do remember it had some really full-on kind of, uh, uh, you know, proper crime pulp sort of Jim Thompson-style violence. But, um, yeah, no, he, he didn't this, really... This he hasn't done anything since, really. No, Big Bounce was his most recent one, and I guess with with filmmakers like that where you, you you don't... It doesn't land. Like, you make a couple of movies and they don't land. That's that's it. That's all you're going to get. You know, that's, that's the only cards he was dealt, basically. I mean, the man yeah. is 78. He's probably not... Uh, making films anytime, anytime soon. It's it's pretty rare for someone, unless you've had consistent success. It's pretty rare for a film director to be working into their late seventies, eighties, um, especially when what, Clint Eastwood's still going. Yeah, well, Clint Eastwood, really Scott, 
they're probably uh, Robert Redford. Would that be the sort of um, exceptions? But even Robert Redford's kind of semi-retired now. Till some. Well, I watched Richard Jewell. Ah, I've have not you seen that watched, one? I have not watched Richard Jewell. And uh, how was it? It's interesting because it, it, it takes you on a story. Like I'm kind of aware of the Atlanta Olympic bombing, but it didn't. You watch the film, and go, is this a real thing? And then you, I googled it, and of course it is. Yep. And the, the the fact that this guy that was accused had a trial by media, essentially. Yep. It still kind of plays like we're twenty five years later, and it still happens. Still kind what of. What do we learn from it? I think that's kind of the point. Yep. Like, look what happened to this poor guy for months on end with media camped outside his house, and his poor mum who is uh, Kathy Bates in the film. Apparently, she's quite, she's quite good. Yeah, I read she was great. Yeah. She gives this speech to the media at one point and just like, oh, my God. But then there are other aspects of it that you just go, hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting but not exactly brilliant, I didn't find. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll look, look, though. I mean, yeah, I heard it was worth watching and it has a good cast, as most Clint Eastwood films have you know he usually gets a lot of um, good actors wanting to well everyone wants to work with him don't they yeah 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 and you know uh other than that like uh, because of the uh, coronavirus um and uh because of the upheaval of it uh in the film world i mean it is i mean it's not interesting it is it is deeply fascinating what's happening with distribution and theatrical exhibition and the way that that is all shut down and now the studios get to dip their toe in the video on demand uh, water that has been a long time coming and there's been a lot of people that are trying to advocate for it and sort of pushing for it to happen but it's not ever happened and now because of this awful pandemic it's happening and what we're going to find is um, studios may I mean look Cinemas will reopen, but I think studios are now going to have, because they've actually had a practical test, they've had a practical experience, a SOAT test, if you will, of the streaming kind of format. Like They're basically like Netflix now, so they're they're dumping their theatrical releases straight onto streaming. And um, so you've recently, and I I watched The Invisible Man, um, which Mm -hmm. was uh, in cinemas only a matter of weeks ago, uh, there was there's Onward Pixar's new film that's been um, that's been released as streaming Bloodshot, which is uh, Vin Diesel's attempt at a superhero film, which emphasis on the word attempt. Uh, Emma, yeah. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say you were going to? Oh, I was going to say that, that I was going to check out Bloodshot, but I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say Blood Bloodshot's effects are great, and um, yeah, there's some okay action sequences. Vin Diesel just seems to sleepwalk through his films, though. He just seems to play the same character. I mean, I hadn't even seen it, and I thought, I wonder if he wears a, a white wife beater in that film. Possibly, <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he does. <laughs> it's like, mm. can the dude actually play a character? You know, it, it does get a bit boring. It's like, What's can you... that first thing that he did all those years ago? The uh... Boiler Room. Um, no, no. Right? Um... The science fiction space. Oh, Pitch Black. That. Yeah, see, now I I'm, liked that. I'm a fan of him as Riddick, 
I liked Peach Black. Yeah. I, I I loved Chronicles of Riddick. Not not many other people did though. And no, the uh, one. Yep. And and the last one, Riddick, are, are perfectly fine. I I enjoy them for what they are. Very pulpy sci-fi. But the I always thought he was playing a character in those films, but clearly not. Like uh, that no, that that Riddick no. character is basically the same character he plays in all the films. I don't know. He just, it I, just I liked the bit. first Triple X, though. I didn't like the yeah. second and third one. No. Um, look, so I've got to see the pacifier. Uh, haven't that's the sort of family comedy that he did, isn't it? I have not seen that. It's um, very dumb, but it's yeah. funny. Look, I, I, I think he needs. I, I, he does need a. I mean, I, in terms of his entire career, he will always have a place in my heart for being the voice of the Iron Giant. Um, and that that's a tremendous that film. that is it's a masterpiece that is an animation yeah. master, master work and I don't sort of say those sort it's of sitting things on my shelf in lightly. fact I've got that I've got that one yeah. in my collection I've got that DVD it's amazing that is an amazing film yeah. and he, I think his voice just brought a bit of personality to that character in that film um, I just think he's the years of, he is also Groot. The years of uh, blockbuster, I think, um, films and his the way that his career is kind of uh, gone, where he's attached to the Fast and Furious films, but they do seem to be his bread and butter because everything else he does on the side, like uh, you'll have Last Witch Hunter, which, I mean, the other thing you need to know about Vin Diesel is that he is a huge nerd, like massive nerd. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, he's he's well into it. And I think... I like that. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. And so Last Witch Hunter, those kinds of... He chooses the, the material he does, I think, based off... You'll see him go off on the side. And that's why the Riddick films, which he kind of pushes and he's very much involved in the writing of and, and sort of being um, in the actual pre-production side of it, those films, I think, are a little bit closer to his heart, and I think he sees the Fast and Furious franchise as a bit more of a um, an earner for him. And and well, they are a good, good, good paycheck. They are a good paycheck for him, and but you know they are demonstrably terrible. That's kind of the fun of those films. But he that's fine. But I'm just reading here. It says Fast and Furious Ten announced for next year. Yeah, Fast and Furious Ten. Yes. So they're hold so nine F nine is about to come out, and then ten I think is going to go into production next year. So, oh. um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Emma uh, with uh, Anya Taylor Joy that's also landed. That's actually pretty good. I look, I, I okay. liked it. I liked it. And um, if you like your period film, if you like your Jane Austen uh, adaptations, and um, it's obviously not for everybody, but I quite enjoyed it, and people should be aware. Well, I still got to watch the 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 Little Women. Little Women is Little Women, little women is, is great. Um, Emma yeah. is great, and uh, people should be aware that Clueless is actually Emma. Clueless is yeah. an updated version of Emma. Um, so the main character is a bit of a spoiled brat. That's part of the sort of the arc of that character, and uh, whether or not that that is appealing to people, some people sort of might tire of it pretty quick, but I found it quite entertaining and, and the way it's played is great cast. It's really enjoyable. Call of the Wild is also um, um, coming to, to be on demand. Ford. Harrison Ford. Uh, apparently Harrison I've, I've, I've heard things that the, the, the animated dog is a little bit... Uh, yeah, off-putting. Yeah, off-putting. Yeah. There's something weird about an animated animal. I can see why Disney did it. You just want to avoid any kind of wrangles with Peter. 
Um, and I get it. They yeah. just they don't want to use animals in the shoot, but it it does it does really. I don't know. It's got that uncanny valley thing, right? Uh, there's uh, downhill is uh, that's the uh, Will Ferrell uh, and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, it's a remake, but that's a comedy that's coming to video on demand. Uh, of course, Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn. I think that's that's actually out and available to watch. Um, Sonic. Is that the uh, Australian actress playing that? Yes, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie yeah. is is playing um, playing Harley Quinn, which is the character from Suicide Squad that a lot of people felt was probably the only thing in Suicide Squad that was of any value. Um, I was about to say that she was the only thing in that movie that was yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Gentleman, Guy Ritchie's uh, Guy Ritchie's film. Um, yeah, for, for a bit I've of a that one. Hugh Grant is a is a geezer. You know, if you're into that sort of uh, Hugh Grant, Lockstock, Snatch type stuff, uh, rock and roller, that sort of vein, I think that's... But yeah. hasn't Hugh Grant just changed from he that, that you know, silly, <laughs> yeah. flappable British, you know, lovey from the, the romantic comedies? Yes. He's now got to the point where he's doing these performances that he's good. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. He, he did that um, BBC thing. Was it the BBC thing? Yeah, very British scandal. That's, that was really good. Yeah. He was so good in that. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. apparently they're doing another series of that. I'm guessing it's an anthology, right? So they're going to do another scandal. I don't, I don't no, know no what actors, but it won't be, it won't be obviously that, that story, but it will be, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, it was very popular that, um, that particular BBC series. Ben Wishaw was great to, as well. That's who I'm trying to think of. The yes. guy, the other guy in it, he was tremendous. Yeah, he is great, aka Q from the James Bond films. But um, yeah. yeah, look, uh, oh, Bad Boys for Life is also that's heading for video on demand as well. So all these films you can look out for on your um, on your streaming platform device, wherever you rent digitally rent films online. Yeah, it'll probably they'll pop up there if they haven't already. But uh, Artemis Fowl, apparently, which was Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of the kids' book for Disney, that's going to uh, be um, to premiere on Disney Plus. So it was actually going to get a theatrical release, but it's kind of like a big um, Artemis Fowl's kind of. It's kind of like a cross between his Dark Materials and sort of Harry Potter, and he's like a a, a sort of spy agent detective type thing, and he's a kid, and yeah. Anyway. If that's your, if well, that's it's your a, bag. It's a, it's a good um, world on streaming if that's your, your thing, isn't it? And I currently, think, I mean, I think that's everyone's thing. That's everyone's thing. That There's going to be a pile of content. But who knows in six months what there's going to be because nothing is being made. There's nothing mm. being produced at the moment. So um, I wonder how the free-to-air networks can survive without their sport and without their stuff being made like what's yeah. going to happen to them yeah more importantly foxtel because uh, their bread and butter is um is obviously sport. sport and the deals they've made with the nrl afl other sporting yeah so if there's no sport that is one big reason for people to cancel their foxtel subscriptions so i think they're uh, trying hard i've heard a few people saying that they're now getting this and that you know optional yeah paid extras that are in the norm would and now you get for free. Like, yeah. don't, don't leave us because we'll give you this. Yeah, this. I, I actually got an email because I had Foxtel and I, I cancelled it, but I got an email quite recently offering um, discounts on packages and 
I mean, that's the one thing that frustrates me. It's like I can click on Netflix and everything that I see, I can watch. Yeah. Now, I can't do that on Foxtel. And if I want to watch a particular show that's on there, I'm not barred from watching it because I'm not in the, in the correct pricing tier or I haven't added that package on. It's frustrating. Yeah, it's that, a, that, it's that, a, that gives me the shift. And the, the other thing that I saw Instagram, there was an ad for Netflix and it says, you know, no interruptions, no ads. Exactly. Mm. That's the thing. I don't want to pay to watch ads. No, that's basically it. So yeah, they've, they've got a lot of work to do if they're going to catch up. I mean, this is the problem is, um, you know, we, we had our, uh, our NBN rollout, our, our um, broadband network, the government-funded um, broadband network that was rolled out across the, across the country and it was going to be fibre to the home and it was, it was going to be very fast and very speedy. But apparently, when I say apparently, well, the word on the street, people I talk to in dark alleys and car parks that are poorly, <laughs> poorly lit, at Ru Uncle Rupert Murdoch had it killed so that essentially, yeah, it's been rolled out, but it's it's very half-assed and it's only a smidgen of the quality that it was going to be. So it isn't fibre to the home. It's, it's. I was quite happy for the government to spend the money that it was going to take to make it kind of future-proof. Yeah, and now they haven't. All they've done is kick the can down the road. So in 20 years, our internet will be so terrible that they'll have to spend another, however much, 30, yeah. was it billion, 50 billion? I can't even it's remember. But they're going to have to spend more money to make it better and to improve it rather than actually making sure the job got done properly. But the reason that it was um, that it was scuppered in the way it was and it sort of chopped off at the knees was because of Foxtel, because Rupert Murdoch sensed the threat of the, of the internet and the impending streaming giants, or who are now giants, but at that time were just coming, starting. He knew that it was going to be a real competition, so he was trying to stave that off in some way. Um, but all yeah, it's done is make it probably worse. the other side of things is um, you know movie companies and t TV stations as well just not wanting to see y you need to change your business model. Yeah, like here's this device, this 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 amazing thing, put that to use instead of scaling everything back so that you can continue business as usual. Don't be dicks. Yeah. Move forward. And these, these uh, distribution windows for this region and that region and all that crap, there's a thing called the internet. Just release it. Yeah. And they still, they still have not wrapped their brains around it in terms of, you know, it's a real aircraft carrier in terms of, in terms of trying to shift your paradigm and change the model that you are currently using. Um, mm. it's, it, it's taken so long and Foxtel did, they, they pushed back against it, which I think was their fatal error rather than get on board and say, you know what, let's place our focus on streaming. Let's, you can be the driving force of it. Let's be the driving force. Let's make Foxtel and with all its, you know, sure. Get all, get licensing for, uh, HBO or get it for, um, those kinds of, uh, um, programming, you know, so you have a reason for people to actually um, jump on board and, and want to actually buy your product and to, to, to watch H HBO content, fine. But do yeah. it on a streaming platform and actually make it uh, a bit more modern and accessible. But instead what ended up happening was um, less of uh, less of a kind of shift in paradigm and more of a sort of let's put the walls up and uh, – 
put guards up and sentries on the walls and make sure that they don't try to take over our business. They've just waited too long. And I think now... Um, and it's also greedy. It's just greedy. And I don't is. like that. It's just... And I never watched Game of Thrones, so I was never going to be. But if they're going to do that... Because apparently back in the day before the deal changed in Foxtel's favour, it was available on iTunes. Yes. But then that all changed and they had ex- exclusive. So if you wanted to see that program, you had to have Foxtel. Yeah. And that, I found, just like, no, fuck you. That's creepy and rude. I think that... Um, Greedy. The reason, the, the, basically the reason Australia had such an infamous name when it came to piracy was directly as a result of that. Because Foxtel mm. were like, no, no, you know all these shows that you want to watch on HBO that the entire globe is obsessed with? You can only watch them if you pay us... X amount of dollars, and I think, yeah, you've got to make it. Was it also, it wasn't part of a normal package, was it? it no, was a premium. And so you've got to make it so people can actually pay for some. If if you make it so that people can pay simply and effectively for what they want to watch, they will pay. Yeah, iTunes, absolutely. iTunes is a good example of that. I just don't yeah. understand. Steve Jobs realized it. He's like, yeah, people will pay X amount of dollars for an album on iTunes, and they do, and they have, and. I don't understand quite why there's been holdouts when it comes to the old way of doing things as opposed to trying to jump on board with the, the streaming. But anyway, so now uh, we're left with this kind of um, situation where I think Foxtel, uh, yes, probably scrambling really to shift to a completely online experience as opposed to the old, the old I mean, without sport during this pandemic, which ostensibly could last for the next eight months um, in, yeah. the, in this, he, uh, in the way that we're social uh, distancing and, and acting like hermits. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't watch free to wear movies because movies is my thing. Yeah. And obviously good, good TV shows, but I, working in back in the day when I was in commercial television, I, I saw what was happening to the movies, the cuts that were being made, the sense, you know, censorship, just for timing, I just went. This is not, this is not right for me. So I very, there's no way I'd watch a movie on free to air anymore. Yeah, there's free to air is a, um, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna take well, a bit. When of do you, when do you see it's gonna, it's gonna switch off? Like, is it gonna last? I think it'll last for I news guess. and live events. But when you have yeah. a situation where the entire planet is shut down in the way it is and all those live events, sporting or otherwise, are cancelled. Um, this is, yeah. All I, all I can think is we're just going to see reruns of On the Buses and Love Thy Neighbour for the next six months probably because <laughs> uh, they've just got nothing else uh, to play. You know? Give me George and Mildred. Give me, <laughs> George and Mildred. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, I, I, I do think it's going to get... Um, going to get pretty dire for a good old free to airs. I mean, they've got a lot of stuff, I'm sure, in their back catalogue that they can sort of uh, pull out and repeat. There's, and there's also people aren't advertising. Is there people still going to be advertising when there's nothing to sell? You can't yes. go and get it anyway. Yes. Oh, but then perhaps they could use the internet to sell things. That's a yeah, thing, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Amazon, they do all right with it. Yeah, they do. They do. And um, but, Sorry? Now, I was going to say, you, you recommended me to watch uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, yes, yes. Which, which I did. It's, a, it's completely batshit, but yeah. So Parasite's the only film of his that I like. 
Right. Have you? Okay. So you've seen the host, and you've seen. I did. I still haven't watched the host. Oh, you, you should definitely watch the host. And Mother yeah. is another one that uh, that it recently. That's a great flick. Um, and then there's Memories of Murder. So those three, right. I think Snowpiercer I, I is. With Snowpiercer. Okay. What was it? What only it was beautifully made. Like I'll give it that, and that's the same with all of the films that I've seen. But it's just not. How is it possible? I could not suspend my disbelief as to have this train driving around the planet. You know who's mending the track? <laughs> okay, right. Well, yeah. If you're gonna, if those kinds of details concern you, then yeah. I, I think conceptually, I got what he was going for. I kind of let go and just went with it as a sort of classist um, sort of allegory. But if uh, yeah, if you're going to worry about the actual nuts and bolts of it, I can I can see how that would possibly bother you. <laughs> it is a like it, it's a completely crazy concept. There is well, a, it's just and that that that, that train compartment with the um, the aquarium in it. I just I couldn't get past the fact <laughs> we just slammed through all these blocks of ice on the train. Yes, and yet that's still there's no cracks. There's no, there's no crack. It's perfect. Maybe there's like special shock absorbers that um, I don't know. I I had it's still it's still look, I I enjoyed looking at it. Yeah. I just struggled with the whole I don't know just uh, hyper unreal. I mean. Yeah. I yes. Okay. Oh, I think that's a very it valid. It is good thing Chris Evans do something that's not uh, you know um, Captain Amazing or whatever he is. Yeah. Captain. America. I like how he goes out of his way to do stuff that is quite quite different. When he gets an opportunity, he goes out of his way to, to really make it put a stamp on a on a part that is not like knives out, that's completely sort of antithetical to yeah. the Captain America yeah. style. Um but um on another note, I do want to mm-hmm. mention uh Adam Schlesinger. Um and he passed away this week. He was uh, a founding, founding member of a band I was a big fan of, Fountains of Wayne. Uh, but he also was very involved in, uh, he wrote, uh, co-wrote a musical called Cry Baby based on John Waters' um, movie for Broadway. He also worked on a show called My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and wrote or co-wrote all of the songs in that show over the duration of its run. Um, and he was a very talented songwriter. Um, but uh, he most, for me, most notably... Oh, That Thing You Do. That Thing You Do. He wrote the title track and uh, the songs from that film that are performed by the band. And um, and Tom Hanks actually tweeted... Uh, because uh, of course Tom Hanks' company is called Playtone, and that produce all his um, stuff that he do- and he makes the uh, band, band of Brothers and the Pacific and all those kind of war things that he does. And and he said there would be no Playtone without Adam Schlesinger. With with without his that thing you do, he was a wonder. Lost him to COVID nineteen. Terribly sad today. And uh, yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of people have come out and, and actually said, uh, you know, how missed he will be. But uh, yeah, he was nominated multiple times, won an Emmy uh, for his work on The Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, and the Broadway. He wrote actually. an episode of Scrubs. Uh, did he? I did not know that. He may have. 
Yeah, I'm just going through IMDb here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, look. Oh, hang on, that's a soundtrack credit. Beg your pardon. Um, yeah, uh, look, I, um, I, I was really bummed out. I was a big fan of Fountains of Wayne, so I just found that it just, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's the culmination of what a sucky couple of weeks it's been, and also the psychological state that I think everyone is in. Um, it's just, it's just that much more stressful to live in the world and to navigate the world and to go about our. It, it, you, you, you're right, but the, the thing that I will say is, it's, it's, and I don't know whether it's forced me or I'm just more conscious of it. I call my parents more often. I've been uh, texting with my sister and brother this morning. Yes. You know, just to say hi, what's going on? Welfare checks, blah blah. So, in 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 these poor circumstances find some positives in it like you and i are still able to talk here i am talking to you from my bunker via the internet to your bunker yeah it's it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a lifeline the actual the old the connection the connectivity the fact you know we're all bemoaning social media and bemoaning all this and uh, the, the cocooning of, of our culture where people sort of stay at home as opposed to going out to movies and all that stuff. And now it's become our saviour. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so like Friday, Frocked Up Friday, people were doing dressing up and that was cute to see. Yes. And I was looking, ABC, ABC News had a, an article this morning about, um, it's still there, costume-themed bin outings. So to put your bin out on the curb, people are dressing up in costumes to do that. And there's this, this, this amazing photo of a father and son, I'm assuming, mm. and he's dressed as the uh, commander of the First Order and the other little kids. Are just, oh, that's cute. I like that. It is. So that's what I'm trying to do is not focus on the on the, the horrible side of things and, see, and be part of some different ways of keeping yourself happy. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I, I'm uh, I'm trying to do those sort of things with the kids and to try and keep the kids uh, um, a bit entertained. And we know the dog walks have become more of the focus of getting out of the house. And you know, because let's face it, yeah, yeah. Other than just getting in the car and driving around and then driving back in your driveway and going back in the house there's not really there's not really much of the outside world you can see but if you're walking the mm. walking the dog there's a bit of legitimacy there keeping your distance from well, the thing, I, I was going next week in fact i was off to japan yeah and that's obviously not happening but i've kept the leave so i've got movies to watch i'm going to listen to music i've got all these books so i've actually a plant and gardening to tend to uh, and just some yes I've, i'll probably go a little bit stir crazy but I've got to get into the garden. I can jump on, oh, jump on the push bike, go for a ride because exercise is allowed. Yeah, uh, there's a, my list of stuff to watch is 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 big, so I'll be doing quite a bit of that. We have many more things to discuss. Mm. Yes, there will be many more things. Oh well, my kids are doing be- the bear hunt here locally in Canberra. Oh, uh, yeah, good. Putting good. the bears in the windows. Put bears in the windows. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, that's very cute. We walk up and down, you know, yeah. you walk through the streets of our suburb as we walk the dog and you can see bears stuck, stuffed into nooks and crannies in the windows. That's very cute. But, um, yeah, it's just a real, um, uh, just a shift in the kind of way we reassess our, our daily lives. It, uh, it's interesting, like, that the, the 
you know, once, once you're stuck at home and you can't go out, you do have to start thinking of very creative ways to kind of um, not end up uh, going insane. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I don't have uh, kids to homeschool or anything like yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, 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 I think most parents, I mean, I, I feel bad for parents who put too much pressure on themselves with that because I just think, look, best effort. It's just your best effort. You don't have to try and do. Oh, what, that's, what the, that's, that's, that's does, just you know? generally in life as well. Is it just try your best? Yeah. That's what people can ask. Yeah, that's it. And it, it kind of uh, there's no other way to get through it other than just uh, the only way out is uh, through. You know, <laughs> but it's more. Uh, um, I do think about the way that we're reacting to such a massive shift in the way we live our lives and the restrictions on our movements and. And um, but it's the entire planet. It's the entire planet, essentially. Yeah, yep. I mean, Sweden, I think, have relaxed uh, the kind of uh, public uh, gatherings type angle, but I think they've seen seen another increase in cases. So I don't even know why they did that, but still, this is the thing: is that, like this is not going to go on for the next few weeks. This will be up to Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, which is pretty sucky, but. I don't know. We're going to be different after. I'll tell you what, people will be washing We're going to be different, but we also have to be a bit more tolerant. We have to be yeah. aware that people are going to react differently and therefore, you know, outbursts or behavior changes. Don't worry. Just look after each other. Mm. And watch more movies. Jeez, this is, this is a, we, we've, we've, yeah, exactly. We've, we've gone on a serious little path there, Joe. Yes. Well, we've gone on a serious path, but uh, we need to, you know, I, I find a good antidote is to... Uh, Strap yourself in to the cinematic chair and uh, and just face it, full full brunt of apocalypse. And I would recommend watching Twelve Monkeys, <laughs> Chil- Children of Men. Uh, what else? Ami- the Amiga Man, and also I guess oh, I, I am Legend. But the Amiga Man with uh, Charlton Heston, uh, of which I am Legend is a uh, another version. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Road. Uh, always found uh, that uh, it's a hard watch, but um, the road actually may be a bit too close to to home. The idea treated it with a bit too much um, uh, realism and grit, whereas something There's like a TV uh, series is dealing with an outbreak of something in a in an American town, and I thought the timing of that. Oh yeah, whether... I'm sure they got a few hits as well, but I don't know if people want people are into distractions. They want to watch something that that. Um, well, if you, I would even if you're after a distraction, I would have, I would recommend avoiding Doolittle. Yeah, I think Doolittle is the that is the real apocalypse movie that because um, that was just bad. Um, that's a misfire, I think, is probably the best term for that film, and I just it, it, it could have been good. The first little bit, first few minutes, there's some laughs, and then I'm just got to the end and went, what the fuck was that? What yeah? What what were they thinking? Is probably you know, yeah. the real question at the end of that. I mean, I I, I uh, in, in terms of apocalypse movies, when I say apocalypse movies, just movies that deal with the end of the world. Uh, twenty twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. But uh, the Quiet Earth from nineteen eighty five, directed oh. by Jeff Murphy, shot in my mum's hometown of Thames in New Zealand. That's a great film because the, the, the umbrella put out that nice shiny remark. Oh, so get that Blu-ray, have a look at that. Quiet Earth. Is, that's where I watched it. That's a terrific film. Uh, Bruno Lawrence. Yeah, Bruno Lawrence, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Bayer, Sam Pillsbury. Really, really good film. And uh, 
Um, and uh, a, a guy wakes up uh, finding himself alone on Earth. Um, and eventually he finds two more survivors. But uh, why things are the way they are and is kind of the great mystery. But, um, yeah, the, the, you find out the sort of key as to why they are all still there. Is, uh, is that, That's the big reveal. And it, it's, it's such an atmospheric film, so simply shot, so simply executed, but uh, just... Yeah, and just an amazing poster. Yeah, yeah, it's it, that's that's oh, it's great. That's a doozy that film, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely definitely uh, homaged in the opening moments of Twenty Eight Days Later with the empty London streets and those kinds of scenes where you see someone walking through the sheer power of an empty space, which I guess we've kind of all been privy to lately, where you walk through like what was a busy street and it's empty. There's something really powerful about that, um, and there's a few films that I have did like the. Location shooting there too. Yes, eighties New Zealand, awesome. Eighties New Zealand. Oh, that's a real microcosm. It takes me back to my childhood, but it's a, it's something yeah. captures something. And uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, I'm I'm all about distraction. So I, I would highly recommend if people. I mean, what I've been doing to distract myself, I've been watching a bit of comedy. So uh, I would recommend Parks and Rec. If you've never actually watched that series, it's uh, that's why I'm one of those. I've never watched it's, it. I really recommend it. It is very silly, but uh, very very amusing, um, very funny. And uh, Parks and Speaking Rec. Speaking a, a good distraction, do you watch um, Brooklyn Nine Nine? I do. I was going to say Brooklyn Nine Nine is made by the same team behind Parks and Rec, and uh, same team but also. I made, really enjoy that. Same team also made The Good Place. Same uh, showrunners, writers. So, okay. I think those three, all, well, all three of those, actually, are pretty good. Uh, pretty good d- distraction viewing, which is pretty much what I think people are looking for at the moment. And it's reasonably safe for kids too. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it is actually. There's a. It's More just so silly. Than anything. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a silly surrealism to it, and it's so fast paced and and snappy. Um, that's what I enjoy the most about Brooklyn Nine Nine. But it's such a great cast too. Terry, well, Terry I just Curry's. like that SBS are running it in sync with America. So there's none of that delay crap. Yeah, look, if anyone's uh, looking for content to view and you've not checked out SBS On Demand, I mean, they've got so many films and TV shows from all over the world and uh, not necessarily in foreign language. You know, we're talking about Canadian stuff and British stuff and it's there's shows on there that you may not have seen anywhere else and might want to check out, but definitely worth Definitely worth having a look through their library. Well, smart TVs are good now because my TV's got the app for all that, so it's all very. <gasps> I just dialed it up on the WW. They've got Paper Moon at the, at the moment, Jared. Ah, Paper Moon. Yeah, Paper Moon, Peter Pogdanovich. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, Ryan O'Neill? They've also. Tatum? They're, they're doing a um, Adam Driver series at the moment, little retrospective of ah, his stuff. Um, also known as Melted Keanu Reeves. Yeah. But uh, yes, um, and I, I actually have shown my son uh, all uh, well all six of the proper Star Wars films. So I'll say the original trilogy, and then Force Awakens, uh, Last Jedi, and uh, Rise of Skywalker. We watched yesterday, um, and uh, I, I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to ignore the prequels. We can watch them after we've watched everything else. But I. I was struck by really he's the MVP for those three films. Like Adam Driver, it was is a phenomenal actor, 
um, yeah. and the, his intensity. I, I still, I, I, every time we talk about Adam Driver, I always go back to um, Logan Lucky. Logan I, Lucky. I really liked that. Song. Yes. He has the ability to play um, really kind yeah. of uh, vulnerable and soft characters. Patterson, the Jim Jarmusch film, that's is, is a really, really highly recommend that. And it is also and available on now. demand. Yeah, it's on there. Yes, yes, he just yes, plays that. He plays this a bus driver who is also a poet, and that really is what the film's about. It's just a very soft, gentle film. It's lovely. I recommend Actually, that. Just, just looking at this here, I know what I'm doing on my holidays on the SBS on demand website. There's some great stuff on here. They've got a lot of stuff on there. Um, they've got election. Courage of Bissan. Don't look now. No, I don't look. The bounty. What, Mel Gibson and uh, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a great film. Election's great. Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Recommend that. Alexander Payne's first film. If you haven't seen that, that's worth watching. But, uh, yeah, the, the, it, it is nuts to me they get just this huge array of... Um, Chinatown here. Of Chinatown. Chinatown. They've got Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. They, will, they also have on SBS On Demand Future Man which I recommend. Um, that's actually a show I believe it premiered on Hulu in the States, but Future Man is uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. It's uh, their series, I believe it had it's, two, it's, 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 it's two the seasons. The gamer that gets... Yes, it's basically... I think season three, I think season three's just started, hasn't it? Is it season three's just started? I'll have to get on to that. I think so. Um, I, I think so. I know that um, Seth Rogen wanted to remake The Last Starfighter, the 80s... Uh, sci-fi action um, film and he do we, do we need that well f famously he couldn't get the rights to it because the guy that owns the rights to last starfighter has been asked by everybody from spielberg and on down to uh, sell the rights and he won't do it and so because he doesn't want anyone to remake it so last starfighter is about an arcade gamer who finds out that actually the arcade game he's been playing is actually a test for suitability to be an intergalactic pilot in a fleet of um, sort of rebels against uh, sort of evil alien overlords. And it's a test software. So it's like if you win the game, then you are obviously a good pilot. So they come to collect him and then he ends up being taken into space and 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 that's the basic plot. And it's very silly. But Seth Rogen thought, oh, wow, I'd love to do a remake. But Future Man is the exact same plot. It's just yeah. done differently. He's a gamer. They come from the future. They say, you're actually key to our plans and fighting the, a few, preventing a future uh, disaster, apocalypse. You're the key. And he's like, I don't know, what are you talking about? It's like, well, the game you've been playing is actually our our testing criteria. We use it to see if we can <laughs> find somebody in the timeline that uh, is suitable and you are the one. And so it's the same idea. And so Future Man is, is kind of Seth Rogen's uh, proclivity for crass, crass humor, uh, violence, extreme violence, and um, very silly, goofy jokes um, all kind of rolled up into one. I, I have to admit, I, I did... I did chuckle quite a bit during it, um, but it is very, very s silly and puerile. You have to be prepared for that. But silly is probably what everyone needs now. Oh yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, Future Man. They got Last Man on Earth on there. It's crazy how, um, how good a lot of this content is. So yeah, I, conversation. The eagle has landed. Mm. The duelist. 
Well, oh, they, they've got Ridley. They have, they have Ridley Scott's first film. Yep. Mm, Kit Carradine, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, Harv. He's pretty good in it. It's a good. It's a good looking and they, film. It's all free. It's free. It is free. So, yep, get well, on it. Cost you nothing. Mm. Do it. I think. Uh, oh my God. I'm sorry, I'm getting lost in this website, Jared. I'm not paying attention <laughs> to you at all. Adam Driver is uh, is a great actor, and if there's stuff on SBS on demand that you haven't seen of his, then you should probably get it on it. I think they've got Man Who Killed Don Quixote on there as well, haven't they? I, I read yes, that they online. Do. Yeah. I just saw that. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought that was a bit odd. Yeah, it's a bit odd. Um, another one that's actually really worth watching, and I think it's on Netflix. It might be Stan. Um, it's Silence, um, Martin Scorsese's film about uh, about um, oh, Jesuits going to Japan. One? Yes, and it had Liam yeah. Neeson and Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield in it um, uh, about Portuguese Jesuit priests in the 17th century going to, going to Japan to find their mentor who um, is rumoured to have committed apostasy and they wish to propagate Catholicism. Um, and that it's, a, it's just a terrific film. It's pretty tough going. It has some pretty... It's long too, isn't it? It, it is long, um, but it's not, a, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. People want him to make the crime movies. You know, they want him to do the gangster films and those are the films that tend to get more attention. But Silence, it was a 2016 film. It was just, it's just, it's... It is just quite. See, my quite favorite, beautiful. my favorite Scorsese film is still Kundun. Yeah, if you like Kundun, you'll like so, Silence. Yeah. Okay. It's um, and it's a really good cast, but uh, yeah, look, it's it's uh, not everyone's cup of tea, I guess. But yeah, you could say it's it's the third in the trilogy of those films. So you've got Kundun, Last Temptation of Christ, and you could say Silence is a nice companion piece to those. So it's a bit of a, a sort of religious religious figures or, or the idea of uh, struggling with faith or, you know, con, you know yeah, the challenges of faith. And those three films are all sort of part of, uh, of a piece. So, yeah, highly recommend those. But, yeah. Oh, the other thing, sorry, just one last thing. SBS On Demand have a, our Modavar, Pedro Modavar, director spotlight. We're going to check out his films. Oh, they're wow. They're probably worth a look. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all yeah, everything. Dark Habits, High Heels, Laura Stark of Desire. I'm getting on this. Yeah. I wasn't aware of any of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would uh, I'd get on it. My, my favourite uh, of his really is, um, and I, look, I've seen him most of his films since like Time Me Up and Time Me Down, but it's more, mm-hmm. I, ended, I really liked The Skin I Live In. I just thought that was just terrific. Uh, owes a lot to... Uh, a couple of films, Eyes Without a Face, the French film oh, from the sixties. Yeah, that's but, great. Uh, I think I think um, the Skin I Live In though is is a really really great film with Antonio Banderas as a plastic surgeon. Eyes Without a Face is Lay Your Son's Visage. Yes. Georges Franjou. Yeah, but the, the less the less you know about the Skin I Live In, the better, really. But um, it's one it's one of those films. It's 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 El Motivar doing a very Hitchcockian sort of approach to the material, but really, really good, really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, well, those are the only sort of 
distraction viewing really that I can think of at the moment. But um, um, I just don't think you can go past those kinds of silly sitcoms that just give you a chuckle. And there's so many of them. And I tend to not watch that type of stuff. I tend to just stick to movies or um, or newer programming on, on the streaming platforms. But uh, yep. sometimes the old faithfuls are actually quite, you know, it's nice to watch an episode of MASH every now and then, have a bit of a chuckle. And- yes. Next time we convene, I'll talk to you about uh, uh, Stuba, which I thought was oh, a yes. hilarious distraction. With Kamel, so- Kamel Nanjani and um, Dave Batista. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, Nick. Well, when we reconvene, when uh, when next the elaborate elevator shaft in which uh, houses my bunker shuttles me back to the surface, um, then, uh, then once once I'm on the surface, we can we can reconvene. Um, right. But uh, at the moment, uh, I'm just going to keep digging because I'm trying to get deeper to build another chamber, which will house all my deep. <laughs> How's my DVDs? Yes. You're a dag. You're a dag. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm just, that's just a flight of fancy or if that's actually just, that's a, really a fantasy for a dad who wants alone time. <laughs> like, oh, imagine if I had my own bunker and my own media center about 40 stories below the earth. I don't know. On that note, I think, uh, I think we should end it here, but uh, this is actually, this has been good. I think next time um, I will probably uh, make more of a concerted effort to actually do some more structured reviews of things. But given the kind of chaos, I think of the last couple of weeks, I, I just felt we should just run with a bit of a shambolic vibe for today's uh, pod episode. A happy shambolic ride it was. It was. All right. Well, uh, dear audience, dear listeners, stay safe and healthy and uh, wash your hands. It's yes. goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Bye.